Well, hey there. In today's episode, I'm going to answer the question, should I invest in Bitcoin or individual stocks? I'm going to give you a few things to consider before you start investing, and then I'm going to offer you a free resource, my 11-step stock market crash checklist that will help you get yourself ready and build a foundation so that when the stock market correction or recession or crash comes, you are prepared and ready to weather the storm. Stick around because we're going to cover the ways to help you ignite financial freedom. Welcome to the Igniting Financial Freedom Podcast, where I give you perspective as if I'm in your shoes so that you can remove the worry of money and create the life you want for you and your family. I'm your host, Clark Bradley. I've helped countless others reach their goals. Are you ready to join me as you pursue financial freedom? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Lucky number 13. Episode 13 of the Igniting Financial Freedom Podcast. Today I'm going to answer the question, should I invest in Bitcoin or maybe individual stocks? So this is a question and a topic that I actually get asked and have conversations with people quite a bit because it's just so top of mind. You see cryptocurrency or Bitcoin or Dogecoin or Ethereum or any number of different XRP, Pi coin. Uh, I'll get into a little bit of those here in a minute, but also you see GameStop or AMC or Tesla or Apple or Google or Amazon or Netflix. So you see these companies, you see these Bitcoins and these cryptocurrencies on the headlines and people talk about them because it's kind of that appealing Uh, interesting thing to talk about, the water cooler discussions, right? Granted, those might not be happening as much because people are all remotely working or mostly remotely working. So maybe it's chit chatter here and there on the beginning or the end of your Zoom calls at work or just discussions with people when you do see them. The point I'm making is that it's it's an easy thing to discuss and and a thing that you might want to be drawn into being a part of and experiencing so that you have an opinion and that you have something that you can comment on regarding investing in cryptocurrency or investing in individual stocks. But I want to address three things to consider before you consider or you start investing. And then the last one would really be kind of a grade or a report card or, or a, basically a snapshot, if you will, of where you should be, what your financial picture should ideally look like at a minimum before you consider investing in Bitcoin or investing in individual stocks. So the first question that you should be asking yourself is why are you investing? Would it be to ride the wave of popularity or potential return or to get in on the craze Warren Buffett has an amazing quote that says, be fearful when others are confident and confident when others are fearful. So are you jumping in and following the other lemmings, so to speak, and trying to to capitalize on the Dogecoin craze based on what Elon Musk's Twitter account says today? Or the GameStop craze based on how their valuation and the cornering of the market and the insider trading dictates where their stock price is today? 
Are you trying to capitalize and gain or reap some of the profits that could be there by jumping in now? Or are you trying to keep up with the Joneses and trying to have a hat in the ring and try to contribute and have something to say with your friends or with your family? Those are all probably wrong reasons to invest in individual stocks or in cryptocurrency. What it should be is a consideration and as a piece to an overall bigger picture of a pie, if you will, for diversification and long-term maximization of the return on your investment. And it should also only be at a point, once you've gotten to a certain point with your overall financial picture, I'll go over that here in a little bit. So I have invested in both of these vehicles, if you will. And it's something that I considered as a part of the overall picture, as a part of a complement, if you will, to my long-term vision. So we have a plan. My wife and I have a plan for our long-term vision for retirement. And this is part of a overall strategy that complements our long-term retirement strategy. But I am fully aware that these are incredibly volatile methods or vehicles, and I'm comfortable with that. I've been around and I am familiar with stock market investing and financial markets and just the nature of this beast for the last dozen years. So that brings me to number two of of the three things you consider before investing. What's your tolerance for risk? Ask yourself, let's pretend you put $500 into Bitcoin. And over the last couple of weeks, Bitcoin's been incre- increasingly volatile. And at one point it dropped 30%, maybe 35, 40% somewhere. And I don't know exactly but my, my account certainly was in the red. What if your $500 turned into $300? You open your account over the course of a week's time and your 500 is all of a sudden 300. What do you do? Do you cut your losses and sell? Do you take your 300 and try to salvage and, and stop the bleeding? And put your 300 and back into your bank account, back into your savings account, back into the coffee can on top of your fridge. Because it's like, oh man, this Bitcoin thing is just, it's too crazy for me. I don't, I don't know. I can't, I, I put money into Bitcoin and I lost money. So I just sold and I got out of it. If that's your answer, then it's probably not a good investment for you to begin with. Because if the emotion t- tied to it is going to dictate how you behave then don't put your money there. It should be a long-term investment. It should be an investment that you make calculated, non-emotional decisions. The same thing goes for individual stocks. If you want to buy Tesla because you like Elon Musk and you believe in the future of Tesla motors and electric vehicles, that's one thing. If you believe in the future of Amazon and their slow, methodical pace to take over the world, 
than buy Amazon. But know that it will be volatile. Not as volatile as cryptocurrency, but it will still be volatile. Much more volatile than, let's say, just buying a mutual fund or buying a broad index fund that's going to own hundreds or thousands of companies, not just one or two or ten. So know what your tolerance for risk is going in, and can you stomach that? Can you see your account balance go to half in a matter of a week? Because that's happened. I've I've invested in cryptocurrency and invested in individual stocks for a little while now, and that has happened. Not on the stock account yet, because we're having a good year. We've had a good couple years. But in my cryptocurrency account, for sure, wild, wild swings in those because they're just unproven and they're still so new. So know that going in and know that you'll be okay mentally should your account balance go to zero. If you put $500 in to Bitcoin or Dogecoin or whatever one, maybe you split it amongst a few and that 500 suddenly turns to zero and it would then crush you financially. You're investing too much. Don't invest what you can't afford to lose. So the amount of money that I've put into my cryptocurrency account and my stock investing account is money that I can afford to lose. It would sting and it would hurt and I would be sad, but I will live and I will survive. And my foundation will still be there. That's what I'll get to in the next uh, bullet point here, or the one after that, is what does your financial picture snapshot look like? So knowing that I do not have to make decisions emotionally, and if it goes to zero, then so be it. It's it's a mixture of long-term planning and long-term investing, but also there is a smidgen of entertainment built into that as well, because I can look at it from a lens from an objective standpoint, because if it goes to zero, then so be it. It's crazy and it's fun to watch how volatile Dogecoin in particular is with how active Elon Musk's Twitter account is. And it's quite absurd to me to watch it go up and down and bounce around day after day. And my account value goes up and down day after day and I still sleep fine. So do you have enough tolerance for risk? Can you weather that storm? Maybe, maybe not. Number three thing to consider is how much are you investing? So the ideal amount would be 10% or less of your savings or net worth. So if you have $25,000 between your savings, your 401k through work, your spouse's 401k through work, and that's it. Right, And you can even count maybe your equity in your home, although that's not very liquid. It's not very accessible. So that maybe, maybe not. But you, let's just count the equity. Let's say you have 10000 in equity in your house. So let's say you have 35000 in your net worth, right? The value of the assets you own, and you subtract from that the value of the debt that you owe. So let's just say 35000 is your net worth. So by principle of that, you should be investing $3,500 or less into any bucket 
that you'd consider cryptocurrency or individual stocks. That's actually, to me, that's a high number. So I'd maybe even start with less than that, but 10% is actually the, the ultimate, the very, very high watermark. I invested far less than 10% when I first started off in individual stocks and cryptocurrency because that was the amount that I was comfortable losing. And so it's still still going strong and I haven't added any more money than my initial investment. I've been, I've been able to take some of the cream off the top with some of the, the accounts that have gone up. So that's something to consider, 10% or less, or even really maybe when you're starting out because it's so new and so volatile, maybe it's 5% or less of your savings or net worth. So that'd be about 1700 1800 bucks on a $35,000 net worth. And I wouldn't put it all into one. You still want to diversify within the more concentrated holdings. So it's not just Bitcoin. It might be six different cryptocurrencies, and it might be 10 different individual stocks, which is exactly what I did. Plus or minus a few. I think I have 14 individual stocks right now, and I have five different cryptocurrencies split across the dollar amount that I was comfortable starting with. Okay, number four, the last thing to consider. So if if you've, again, the first three is you understand the principle of why you're investing should be based on wealth accumulation and long-term growth and a a bigger piece to the pie of the whole picture. You're understanding that your risk tolerance is very high and you're comfortable with wild swings in this segment of your investing strategy and that you're also comfortable investing 5% or less in this account because it's so volatile, because it's so wild. So the last part, once you've, once you've wrapped your head around those three, the last part is what does your financial snapshot actually look like? So if you, if you can tolerate the, you know, and, and consider the first three points that I made and you're still okay with it, then you're looking at, okay, I'm ready to go. I want to start doing more research and understanding this. I would assume that the following is true in order for you to quote unquote qualify to invest in my eyes. I'm by no means am the end, uh, you know, the last word on whether you should invest in Bitcoin or not, or that you should invest in Amazon or Apple or whatever it might be. But this is my perspective and what I would like to see for your sake of your financial snapshot before you considered a more high-risk, speculative type of investment. So the first of the three bullet points, uh, four, excuse me, bullet points, would be you've paid off all your bad debt. That means credit cards, payday loans, personal loans, mm, any medical debt maybe. Student loans are kind of in the gray area of that because they're, st- they're not technically attached to a tangible physical asset. They're attached to a potential to make more money from a career standpoint, but they're not attached to an asset unless you consider, you know, the knowledge you got an asset. I suppose that is. And if it's you can't figure out where it, where it is categorized from a good debt or bad debt perspective, I would say that anything that either isn't secured by an asset or it has an interest rate of 8% or higher. You would want to pay those off first. So let's say you have a car loan and you've got your mortgage. 
and that's the only debt you have left. That would be a good point to start considering investing in stock or cryptocurrency as, again, as a piece to the overall investment strategy. Now, you also, number two, assuming this the following is true, this will be the second piece that should hopefully be true. You have at least 2% of your income saved in cash. So let's say you're a married couple, you jointly make 80 grand a year. That would mean that you'd want to see 1600 bucks sitting somewhere in cash, right? Your income times 2% is 1600 bucks. I've mentioned before on previous podcasts that it should be money spent split off into an online savings or somewhere to where it's not so accessible. That way it's there, but it's not there. Arm's length away, should you need it. The third thing that should hopefully be true is that mentally and financially, you will be fine and you will survive should this account balance go to zero. If you are panicking and losing sleep and checking your balance seven times a day on this account and it's bringing stress to you, then don't bother because it's not worth it. There are plenty of other safe but still effective and productive investments. Like I mentioned, individual or not individual, but index mutual funds that are not only inexpensive, but also perform nicely that would own maybe 3,500 to 5,000 companies. So if one of them goes out of business, you're just fine. And another one shuffles in its place based on it being a market index, you know, basically a type of fund that would own every single stock in the U.S. market or maybe in the world. So you're so diversified that it almost doesn't matter if one goes out of business because there's others to take its place, if you will. And now contrast that to buying Tesla or Netflix. There's no guarantee that either of those companies will be in business in five years or 10 years. There is a likelihood, a strong likelihood that they both will be, but who knows? They're not bulletproof, which is the whole principle of diversification to begin with. Now, if you can't stomach that or can't weather that storm of individual stock investing or individual Bitcoin investing, then that's probably not the best vehicle for you. doesn't mean that you won't make a return or make money or not, you know, you'll still be able to plan and save for an effective retirement. It just won't involve individual stocks or cryptocurrency. And that's totally fine. Now, the last piece to this is not something that has to be true, but I would say it should be true, ideally. And that is taking full advantage of any of any tax-advantaged retirement accounts that are at your disposal. What I mean by that is, let's say you have a 401k at work. Ideally, you're setting up your 401k so that your contributions are high enough to fully get the match that your employer offers. So let's say they give you a 3%, they give you a dollar for dollar or 100% match up to the first 3% of your contribution. So I'll use the previous example. You make, you know, I said, let's say you make 80 grand as a couple. Let's say you each make 40 grand. So that means your employer is willing 
to match the first $1,200 you put into your 401k every year, which means that ideally $100 every single month is going into your 401k and your employer is going to match you another you know, $100 a month once a year. They dump $1,200 in the account. So at the very least, you're getting your, your match. And to take it another step further, you could be certainly upping those contributions even higher so that your retirement contributions reach that 15% mark, 15% of your total income. Again, 40000 or 80000 as a couple. You're finding somewhere to put twelve grand or $1,000 a month in any combination of your 401k, your Roth IRA, maybe that you set up on your own, or traditional IRA, and so on. And then from there, and above and beyond that $1,000 a month, that's when you consider putting some extra money into Bitcoin or individual stocks, for example. Now, again, that doesn't have to be true, but that's a very good place to start and a very good foundation to build because then you've got no bad debt. You have a base of, uh, a base of basically cash set aside and you are cranking out a certain percentage of your income every single month into long-term savings. And then you can begin setting up a crypto account or an individual stock account alongside of you also continuing to grow your emergency fund to that three months or six months of expenses and also continuing to grow your savings rate so that it gets north of 20%, 25%, 30%. That savings rate is by far the, the key indicator of overall retirement and overall wealth building um, success. If you had to just track one number, it's that. And I think I've talked about that already, but that's by far the most important key, most important number for you to follow. Okay. So again, financial snapshot, I'm assuming the following, you've paid off all your bad debt. You have at least 2% of annual income saved in cash. You would be fine mentally and financially should this crypto slash individual stock account go to zero and ideally but not not mandatory you're already maxing out whatever contributions you need to to put in place to get a match from your employer and again ideally but not mandatory you're already contributing up to or exceeding 15 percent of your income into those retirement buckets and these are all ideally true before you begin investing in crypto or stocks so again just to recap everything in full ask yourself why are you investing this in these vehicles, what's your risk tolerance, how much are you investing, and then assuming some of the other things are already true that I mentioned regarding what your financial snapshot looks like. Okay, so I have a 11-step stock market checklist that you should download because that will help you understand what you need to put in place and what steps you need to take now for the next recession for the next correction, which is inevitable, so that you're covered and that you're in a position now so that when the recession comes, you can come out of it in a position of strength. So go to ignitingfinancialfreedom.com slash checklist to download that. Enter your email, download the checklist. I would say by far, well, not by far, but all of the 11 bullet points or the 11 to-do items are Just simply amazing, right? Because, I mean, come on. It's just a good, it's a good worksheet. I like it. But the last one, number 11, 
is titled Keep Perspective. I'll give you just a quick sneak peek of that. Keeping in mind the long-term picture and the long-term play of this. The average expansion or growth or bull market is seven years, six to seven years. And the average recession or crash or bear market is about 12 months. So if you are 30 years old and you plan on retiring at 60, that means that you have four, maybe five more recessions in that time frame. So again, let's take a step back and widen our scope here. If we have five more recessions to ride the wave, that's a natural natural part of the market cycle. The market does not go up in a straight line. I wish it did. It would make things easier. But that's how it goes. There's times of expansion and times of contraction. And we are in the late stages of this market cycle. It's been a very long run. We've had a, basically since... March of 2009 until now. So we've had an 11-year, 12-year run of expansion, which is twice as long as average. So it's a matter of if, or it's a matter of when, not if, we have the next contraction. So look at the ne- the, the, the worksheet to set yourself up appropriately for that next contraction so that you're not caught with your pants down when the tide goes out. Again, ignitingfinancialfreedom.com slash checklist. Download that, get yourself ready, and that is all for me today. Keep in mind, next time we've got additional episodes. I, again, am cranking out two of these a week, so stay tuned. I'm going to take on your biggest questions related to money. To submit a question and have it answered here live on the podcast, I can answer something that's specific and direct to you in your personal situation. I have coaching clients that I address that I take time. I work with them one-on-one. But if you have a question that you want me to address, go to ignitingfinancialfreedom.com slash podcast and submit your question there on the form on the top of that page, and I will address it here on the show. Okay, that is all from me. I will... Catch you next time. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Igniting Financial Freedom Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to see future episodes. Go ahead, give it a rating and review so I can help more people ignite their financial freedom. And I wish you good fortune. I'll see you next time.